0: We're starting a new series that we're going to do over the next month uh, and a half leading up into Easter, and I'm really excited about this series because uh, it's something that I've been praying into the last six months. We've just done it in our Brisbane uh, uh, location. Uh, Kate was there today. She preached the last sermon of it. She's going to be preaching next week, which is going to be good, Uh, but it's it's a series on prayer. The title of the whole series is Living on a Prayer. Go on, turn to your neighbor and say, Whoa, oh, I'm living on a prayer. All the Gen Xers have no idea what is going on. Go. But some of y'all are showing your age. You're like, <laughs> Living on a prayer. Uh, we're going to be talking into prayer, how we can live a life of prayer. So, uh. In our church, we have five main values. Of course, we value so many things, but they all kind of come out of these five main values, and it's the presence of God, it's prayer, it's people, it's creativity, and it's generosity. But obviously, there's so much more, but those are kind of our five big ones that everything flows from. And so in our church, prayer is one of our top values. We love, love prayer. Uh, I've asked this question, I'm going to ask again. How many of you would say, like, prayer is... Top three most important things that you could do in your relationship with God. Come on, lift your hand, just so I know if we're all on the same page. Great. So all of you agree, most of you agree, uh, that prayer, top three most important things. So uh, this series is not a reaction to anything, but how I really felt compelled to, to preach this series and have a season in our church where we intentionally dive deeper into prayer Uh, Is because one of the things we've always said in our church is we don't want a large church. We want a strong church. And can I just, if you don't get anything from today, get this. A strong church is a church that prays. It's not a church with multiple services or different campuses or locations around. A strong church is when the person in the back row prays as fervently with zeal and passion as the person in the front row or on the stage. Uh, where this began to really challenge me was last year, and I've told this story a few times, but for the sake of new people, I'll tell it again. Uh, I went to Korea. Shout out to our Korea Seoul watch party happening today. Shiloah, uh is over there right now, and uh, I was there with uh, Willem and Shaloa, and we were scouting. We were the spies going into the territory to scout uh, the giants in the territory, and, uh, and I've grown up in church my whole life. Uh, I, I didn't follow Jesus my whole life, but I've been around church my whole life. And I, I don't have many bucket list things when it comes to church or Christianity. Uh, You know, like some people have all. I want to go to this church. I want to go to Israel, right? Uh, I'm not sure what you want to do. Uh, For me, I've kind of got two things on my bucket list. One, I want to go to Israel. I just think that would be cool one day. I'll go there and I'll and I'll walk where Jesus walked and uh, and all that stuff. Uh, And so I want to do that. But as well, there was one church in the world that I really wanted to visit, and I was really excited because. Uh, even though I felt the Lord speak to me so clearly about starting Favorite Church in Korea, I'd never been. So this was my first trip to go uh, with Willem and Shaloa, and I really wanted to visit a church there called Yoido Full Gospel Church. Uh, Now, for some of you, uh, you won't know what this church is. This church is, is, um, at one point in its time, was the largest church in the world, uh, it was started uh, uh, out of the, the sort of aftermath of the Korean War, where the Korean nation was in a lot of poverty. And this church, out of the ashes of a pretty broken society, uh, grew by the 1970s, became the first church in the modern era to reach a million people in its church. It's literally sent tens of thousands of, of missionaries across the world uh, to preach the gospel. Uh, Dr. Youngy uh, Cho uh, is the pastor, uh, was the pastor. He's, he's since gone to be with Jesus in heaven. And, uh, and, and this church is amazing. So we went there. I was really excited about going, walked in. It's a stadium, 20, 25,000 seat auditorium stadium. It's amazing. And so we went there, and it's obviously all in Korean, and, and uh, William's kind of translating a little bit to me. And, and uh, we had the preacher. He got up and preached. It was an American guy, so they had a translator, so I could understand that. And then at the end, they'd done their music. They'd done their tithes. They'd done their announcements. They'd done the sermon. And at the end, the pastor got up, and he began to speak, and, uh, and all the musicians went off the stage, and four more people came on the stage, grabbed the microphone. They stood there, and William interpreted to me. He said, the pastor said, okay, we're going to pray. And, and he all of a sudden just begins to pray. And as he prays, the place erupted. And, and it was kind of a small meeting that night. I think they only had about 5,000 people at their small meeting that night. And I was both inspired, challenged, and convicted in the next 15 minutes. Because for the next 15 minutes, the pastor didn't just pray, he prayed, but you couldn't hear him. You couldn't hear the four people on the microphone praying. Because as I looked around, yes, I should have been praying, but I did take a break to look around. As I looked around, up in the very, very corner in the back of the, the balcony, people were praying and leaning in. People next to us were praying and leaning. And I'm, I just start, I've started praying in tongues because I figured, well, no one understands me in tongues anyway. I don't understand them. And so we're all praying. And, and after seven minutes of prayer, I was like, <laughs> And I'm looking around, and people are just, you know, we talk about leaning in, like you physically lean in to to say, people were leaning and praying fervently, these prayers for 15 minutes straight. They prayed. I'm not exaggerating, 15 minutes. I, I can't, I'd never prayed that long in church before in my life, right? At the end of 15 minutes, the pastor does something, they sing a song, he comes back on. So we're going to pray again. They put three things up on the, on the screen to pray for. And for another 15 minutes, not the pastor, listen to me, not the pastor, the entire church congregation is praying passionately for these three things that are up on the board. And I sat there inspired and I looked and I went, hmm. This is the reason why this church has impacted the modern-day church nearly more than any other church in the world. You may not even realize it, but a lot of how we do church is actually the result and the fruit of how Dr. Young E. Cho built his church on prayer. And I'm sitting there inspired, but then in the same breath, I was so convicted by my own prayer life. And I thought to myself... In our style of church, right, we are a Pentecostal church, which means that we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit operating today as they did in the Bible. And one of the things that happens in our style of church is that generally we raise up charismatic, great preachers that can stand and inspire fire, and we're not boring, and we know how to pray, and we've got great team members that are raised up, but as I was sitting there, convicted by the Holy Spirit in this church, I wondered to myself, have we done such a good job raising up people that can pray on the microphone, and in the same breath, raising up people that are just good spectators? that instead of being people that pray along, we've raised up churches in the modern Pentecostal charismatic era where we've actually raised up spectators instead of prayers, where we like the person that pray, and every now and then we'll throw in an amen. Yeah, amen. Yeah, amen. Let it be. Amen. Amen. Let it be. When it comes to prayer, as much as people can pray for me, I want to take a personal ownership and responsibility when it comes to my own prayer life. The title of my message in this series today is this, My Responsibility. Everyone say, My Responsibility. Prayer is something that has fascinated society for thousands of years. I want to read you some secular stats. These are not Christian, not from any church. It's secular stats for you about prayer. The National Institutes of Health funded study. Individuals, they said, prayed who prayed daily, were shown to be 40% less likely to have high blood pressure than those without a regular prayer practice. Wow, that would be a pretty good one for the Philippines, wouldn't it? Dartmouth Medical School, it found that patients with strong religious beliefs who underwent elective heart surgery were three times more likely to recover than those who were less religious. A 2011 study of an inner-city youth Uh, With asthma by researchers at the University of Cincinnati indicates that those who practice prayer and meditation experience fewer and less severe symptoms than those who had not. These are all secular organizations. A recent survey reported in the Journal of Gerontology of 4,000 senior citizens in North Carolina found that people who prayed or meditated coped better with illness and lived longer than those who did not. And lastly the University of Rochester study it claims that over 85% of people confronting a major illness pray. In our secular society even though the Philippines may be a Catholic nation it's becoming more and more secular around the world the western world is becoming more and more secular there's still a yearning and a longing for this idea of prayer. Many people just don't realize it. The new age, the the new age meditation has really risen in the last few years. Why? Because people want this connection with something else other than just what they can see in front of them. People are searching for God. They just don't know that they're searching. So what is prayer? Some of you have been praying your whole life and others, maybe you're new to church or Christianity and you've never really prayed before. Uh, maybe you've just heard that it's just a, some words you say to the big guy upstairs. Well, Jesus tells us exactly how to pray and what prayer is. in one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible, Matthew chapter six, verse five, this might sound familiar to you as I go through. It It says, and when you pray, this is Jesus talking Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you that they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Those are the people that pray every name of God that they can pray in their prayer. Have you ever heard those people? Dear Lord Jesus, heavenly Father, God, oh, El Shaddai, Jehovah, Jireh, Daddy God. We just pray, Lord. They're just praying for 30 seconds. They didn't say anything other than the different names of God, right? So you know what Jesus says, verse 8, don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Ready for this? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus here, he teaches us how to pray and what is prayer in the same analogy here. And I'm going to preach a whole sermon on this later on in the series, but I just want to bring your attention to how Jesus teaches us how to pray. He was not teaching us the Lord's Prayer, which is what we've we've titled this. He wasn't teaching us a specific prayer that we need to pray every single day. He wasn't teaching us a prayer that we must get up and we must say these exact words and only these exact words, and these are the exact words and you have to do it. No, no, he was teaching us a pattern of prayer. So he starts with our Father, right? What's Jesus telling us straight away? At the beginning of your prayer, I want you to make it intimate. You're not praying to a statue. You're not praying to someone you don't know. You're praying to your father. Now, for some of you, you've got dysfunctional fathers with bad relationships with them. So I want you to get that out of your mind for a second because that will cloud how you see your heavenly father. And I just want you for, imagine, for a minute to imagine a functional, loving father that is for you, that loves you, that gets excited when you do well. Even when you do bad, they're still there to give you a hug and a kiss. They love you so much that they would sacrifice for you. That is our heavenly father. So Jesus is teaching us that the moment you pray, personalize it and make it intimate. You're not praying to the great El Shaddai. You're actually praying, even though that is another name for God, you're praying to our father. The second thing he says is this, hallowed be your name. So firstly, it's making it intimate. The second thing is he's saying is you need to honor God for his holiness hallowed be your name. Your name is holy, right? So we're not now, even though we're praying to our father, it's not just like our buddy, like, hey, what's up, bro? You know, right? It's not, it's not like that. It's still, as much as he's our heavenly father, just chill, he's still holy, right? It's still, we should still have a reverence and a fear of God. So Jesus says, make it intimate. Secondly, honor God. Make sure you have honor because you're putting weight on God. And thirdly, he says this, align your life to God's will. When we pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're doing in that moment is we're saying, God, whatever is in heaven, your will, could you come do it on earth in me, in my life? I want to align. So if I'm out of alignment today, God, please bring me into alignment. So, so, So track with me here. Jesus has taught us three things to do in our prayer before we've even asked God for whatever need we have. Right? Prayer is not just going, God, can you please give me this and give me that and give me this. God is not Santa Claus. And Jesus is teaching us that God is not Santa Claus. Prayer, the foundation of prayer is built in this, intimacy with God, honoring who he is, and aligning my life with him. The moment that I do that, then I can move into the needs that I have. Uh, God, provide for me today our daily, my daily bread for God. God, forgive me of my sin. And Lord, yeah, all right, who do I need to forgive right now? And God, protect me from temptation. Jesus gives us this pattern of how to pray, thus teaching us what prayer is. Ultimately, prayer is having a conversation with God where we grow more intimate with him. So what must we do? I got three thoughts for you, and then guess what we're going to do? Wow, you sound so thrilled. We're going to pray. First is this. How do we live this life of prayer? How is it going to be my responsibility? The first is this. I must pray. I must pray. You can't just leave prayer to another team. In our church, we've got something called a prayer team. It's a group of people that love to pray, and they volunteer to pray. They pray for people down the front. They pray for people midweek. But I don't overly promote our prayer team in our church. Do you know why? Why? Because I don't want people to leave the responsibility of prayer up to a few chosen people, right? Because when we start having a, a, a culture in the church of, all oh, the prayer teams here, let the prayer team come, then all of a sudden you get these weird spiritual people that walk around. Have you ever met one of these people? They're like, how are you? They're like, hmm, I feel the presence of the Lord here today. I was just with God in the third heaven. Right? Have you ever ever seen those people? I mean, God bless them. I love them. But that's the type of culture I don't want to create in our church where there's these spiritual people that are above everybody else because they're the chosen few on the prayer team. Can I tell you this? If If your pulse is beating right now and if you love Jesus, you're on the prayer team in our church. Now, we might not let you come and just pray for anyone down the front, but you have a responsibility to pray to God. Jesus. Prayed to God the Father. If Jesus needs to pray, then I need to pray. Mark chapter 1:35. This is one of many verses, just as an example. It says, "Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray." If Jesus needs to pray, the Son of God Himself, then you and I need to pray. Paul tells us in Philippians four verse six, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the result of this, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We have clear direction from the Bible. We have clear direction from the life of Jesus that we should follow his example and pray. And Paul gives us clear instructions here that in everything that we have, don't be anxious. Cast your cares on Jesus and pray to him. So, this is the question that I get the most when it comes to prayer from everybody in church. And and it's simply this How do I pray? And it's a great question that a lot of people don't want to ask because especially in church, sometimes there seems to be this unspoken pressure that everybody should know how to pray, no matter how long you've been a Christian or not, how long you've been in church or not. And you know what the problem with this whole prayer idea of prayer and and how you should pray? This is the problem, is that growing up in church myself, do you know uh, what was demonstrated to me as what you should pray? All the stories I heard of prayer, you know what? They were always from the people that prayed like two to four hours a day. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like it's always like those people that, you know, I was just spending time uh, with the Lord and like, a, like an hour and a half later, I was just, wow, I, know I just felt his presence and it's just great. And you're sitting there going, an hour, hour, and, a half, hour and a half later, I struggle to get with, through one minute of prayer. And we celebrate these people. Dr. Yangi Cho, who built Yordo Church, he would pray four hours a day. And it said later in his life, I read it on his bio in the church, later in his life, because his knees started to hurt, at the end of his life, he cut down his prayer time from four hours to about two and a half hours a day. And so we asked, well, well how do we pray? And a lot of our times are, This idea of how we should pray, even though the majority of us will never, ever meet this idea, but the idea is that we have somehow got to pray two to four hours a day, that we got to get lost in the third heaven, that we should be taken up, brought down, taken up again. But, but, But unfortunately, that's not the reality for most of us. Do you know why? Because most of us have something called a life. Most of us don't have the ability to just pray four hours a day. I have this beautiful blessings from the Lord called children. They don't let me pray four hours a day, even though I need to for their sake. I have something called a job. Anybody else have a job? I have something called physical health and fitness that I need to do. We have... A life. And I always felt a lot of pressure that I was never praying enough. A- am I talking to anybody else here? Even as a pastor, I feel the pressure sometimes that I should be four hours on my knees every day praying. And I feel this pressure until one day I felt God release me from this pressure and give me the revelation that there are no rules when it comes to prayer. There are no rules because in the Bible, we see so many different ways that people pray. So Jesus went by himself and prayed. So you know what? You should go away by yourself and you should pray by yourself. In Acts chapter one, we see the disciples in the upper room together praying. So you know what you and I should do? We should find other people and we should pray with other people. Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. Do you know what that means? That means that we pray in our life. We make prayer a lifestyle that we are consistently just praying throughout the day. It's not this one moment in the morning, and then I never talk to God again. If prayer is my conversation with God, then I can pray without ceasing. Paul spoke in tongues when he prayed, so we should speak in tongues when we pray. There's not one way to do it. You can pray by yourself. You can pray with a group of people. You can speak in Tagalog, in Filipino, in Sabuano, in English, uh, in, in uh, Dutch. Got some Dutch people here today. Uh, you, you, can speak, you can speak anything you want. You can pray when you go for a walk. You can pray when you sit. You can kneel. You can stand. You can lie prostrate on the ground. Some of you are like, yeah, but I fall asleep. Well, then stand up. Some of you pray to get to sleep. Dear Lord Jesus, I ugh. Come on now, I know some of you do that. It doesn't matter how you pray. Do you know what matters? Praying to your Father in heaven. Different seasons will look different in your prayer life. When I was a young single man without a girlfriend and without children, my prayer life looked very different to what it looked like now. I had time, I had a lot more energy, and I just prayed for a wife every single day, right? Now, I'm married, my life is very full. So you know what my prayer life consists of? Firstly, always praying. Now, the wife that I got, thank you, Jesus, prayer works, amen. The, I pray for my wife, I pray for my children but i don't have that same time i don't i'm not up late at night at midnight praying anymore like i used to when i was 19 because i got to get up early in the morning for my children so in different seasons your prayer life will look different and that is okay but no matter what season you're in could i challenge you today that prayer is your responsibility everyone say prayer is my responsibility Prayer is my responsibility. It's not anybody else's. I've been getting convicted in my life that whenever I think I should pray, to stop and pray. I've just been doing it. I've been praying so much more with people in the last six months where we're talking about something. And you know what I used to do all the time? All right, I'll be praying for you. And you never do it. Right? All right, I'll pray for you. Okay, Bye and you never pray for them. Jesus knows. So you know what I've been doing? Whenever I feel like I want to say I'll pray for you, you know what I do? Hey, can I just pray for you? Just 30 seconds. Can I just pray for you? With text, when I feel like I need to text someone, I just, God, be with them right now and pray. Why? Because I don't want to leave this up to a prayer team. It's my responsibility. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. It's my responsibility to pray, not just the prayer team. So the question then is, what if I'm struggling to find time to prayer? Or what if I'm just struggling to do it? My second thought today is this. Discipline can help fuel your hunger for prayer. Oh, discipline is such an uncomfortable word sometimes in church. I love Acts chapter 3 in the Bible. I'm not going to read you the story, uh, but I'm going to tell it to you. Uh, Paul and John, uh, Peter and John, sorry, they are walking to the temple and there's a gate called Beautiful, and there's a lame man that's been lame since he was a child, and he's there, and he cries out, can I have money, can I have money? Peter and John, uh, Peter bends down and goes, silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give to you. Rise by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, right? heals this man. The lame man goes crazy, starts jumping around, dancing, goes inside the temple. The religious leaders in there are, like, flipping out because uh, this guy has been lame since childhood and he's healed, they pull Peter and John in. Peter gives this beautiful defense of who Jesus is, accusing the religious leaders of killing the Son of God. It's amazing. The the section of Scripture ends with the religious leaders uh, saying, and I paraphrase it, that these two men, they had noticed that even though they were unschooled, they had noticed that they had been walking with Jesus. I mean, that's just beautiful, and I'll preach on that another day. But you know what gets overlooked a lot in this story? It's actually the first verse of the chapter. And I want to read it to you because there's actually a lot of power in it. In Acts chapter three, verse one, it says this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple, ready, at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. There was a time to pray. There was a schedule to pray. And Peter and John We're following through on the discipline of their scheduled time to pray. They didn't just pray because they felt like it. I'll just give you a little life lesson for free? If you just do things because you feel like it, you're not going to achieve much in your life. If I just prayed every time I felt like praying, I wouldn't pray much at all. There are things in my life that I've had to put into place discipline in order to actually achieve what I want to achieve. This is a time of prayer. There is a scheduled daily time of prayer. In fact, we learn from Daniel in the Old Testament, the story of Daniel and the lion's den, that the Jews would pray three times a day. And there was this schedule at three in the afternoon. So this meant that Peter and John, they were being disciplined in going up at the time to pray. Now, here's the problem with discipline. The word having discipline, it doesn't sound very sexy. Right, because in church we want we don't want to use the word we have a great discipline of prayer. We want to use we've got passion in prayer. We've got zeal for prayer. That's that sounds way more like wow, right? Because discipline. What's what's discipline? Discipline is is turning up every day doing what you're supposed to do. Doesn't sound very sexy, and a lot of people react against this idea of having a discipline prayer life because it takes away, you know, being able to be led by the Holy Spirit or, you know, where's God leading? Should I do it? Should I I don't know why I'm doing this for this thing, but it's just this little thing and all, and it takes out the revelation of being led by the Spirit. It, It does not, a disciplined prayer life does not take out the revelation of being led by the Spirit in your prayer life. I have never met a person who has a passionate, and listen to me, consistent prayer life that has happened just as a result of them loving Jesus. Listen, let me say it again. I've never met anyone that has a passionate and consistent, there's some people that have a passionate prayer life, but it's not consistent. You know why it's so passionate? Because they only pray once a month, so every time they pray, they gotta pray for a whole month. Jesus, help me! It's because you haven't asked him for help for the last month but I've never met someone that has a passionate and consistent prayer life that has just happened because they've loved Jesus. Those are the passionate and consistent prayer life. It's happened because they have a discipline that every single day, no matter what, I'm gonna show up and I am going to pray. And we need discipline because life happens, kids, job, work, friends, all these things that we need discipline. There's an old saying, that you will crave and hunger for what you feed yourself. So a few months ago, uh, uh, I'm, uh, when January happened, New Year's Eve happened, it was a weird time in my life. I shared this the first Sunday of the year because it meant that I could officially say that next year I will be turning 40 years old, right? I know I, I don't look like it. When I was young... Can I just say this? When I was young, 40-year-olds were so old, right? Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? But I feel like I'm pretty cool. I'm hip, you know. I got this linen shirt. What's up? You know, I just, uh, anyway, I, uh... So I'm turning 40 next year, and, and health is like I have an up-and-down love-hate relationship with my health, but I've been doing good at the gym, right? Accountability, I've been doing good at the gym, I've been going, I've got a new gym now, and, and, I, and I, go, I go by myself sometimes at 6.20 a.m. in the morning. Wow! I don't do much when I'm by myself, but I go. I'm there. You just lose weight being in the gym, don't you? It's just... Just being there, you lose weight, right? So I'm doing okay with my working out, but where I've always let myself down is my food, right? Come on, anybody else know? Does anybody else just love food? Do you just love? I just love food. And in particular, I love unhealthy food. Does anybody else love? Is anybody else a Filipino with a heartbeat right now? Come on. Lechon? Wow. There is nothing that will put you in the grave faster than eating lechon, right? But it's wonderful. So I eat terribly. So a few months ago, maybe about four months ago now, Liz, uh, on our executive team, uh, Liz told me about this um, meal uh, delivery uh, service that they deliver meals to you. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll give this a try. And so I started getting it delivered. It's like a, it's a high protein, low calorie. Well, I'm giving a lot of detail right now. Uh, <laughs> high protein, low calorie, a lot of vegetables. It, it's really, it's It's healthy. And I had it for the first week, and and I was kind of like, I didn't really like it, right? I didn't really, it didn't really take, it wasn't that great, it wasn't that full because my stomach was expecting more food, right? Because that's what I've been feeding it. But probably after a week and a half, I started to really enjoy it, and I started to actually crave for it, right? Because before that, I, we would have office... I don't take a lunch break at work. I just kind of work all the way through. My lunch breaks are, are talking with people constantly. And, and I'd get to like 2 or 3 p.m. and my assistant would come and be like, do you want lunch? I'm like, yeah, I just get me potato corner. And she's like, what size? I'm like, what size do you think? See, all my staff is yelling at me in the front row, Tara. Tara. Right. Chili cheese, I love it. It's great. right? That's what I do, but now now I've started doing. can I tell you that I've been doing this this eating plan now for four months? and now my my stomach has shrunk. Right. No, no, not like physically, like <laughs> no. <laughs> not like that, but I mean, I, it' it's now takes less food to make me full, and now I'm starting to crave even even though sometimes I don't like it, the discipline that has been put in my life, I'm now beginning to crave the very thing that I was hungry for. Can I tell you what I did? I relied on my discipline, even if my desire was not trustworthy. It was my discipline in every day making sure I ate that right meal instead of having the extra potato corner, but having that meal instead. It was my discipline my discipline that ultimately led to my change in my desire. We all desire the outcomes, but less of us want to take the journey of how to get there. We all want the washboard abs, but less of us want to actually do it. We all want to have the nice house one day, but less of us actually want to save money and invest it the right way. We all want the incredible prayer relationship with God, but less of us are prepared to discipline ourselves to invest into it every single day. I desire a passionate, intimate prayer life with Jesus, but it won't just happen because I emotionally want it to happen. It will happen as I discipline myself every day. The more I feed myself prayer, the more I'll begin to crave it, just like Peter and John going to the temple at 3 p.m. to pray, just like Daniel praying three times a day, even at the threat of death. I want to have discipline in my life that I would be someone who prays, even if I had a late night the night before, four. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to pray in the morning. Even if I'm going through a tough time, even if I don't feel like it, I'm not going to allow my feelings to lead me. I'm going to let my discipline lead me and I am going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Do you know what's amazing in our church is that at the beginning of the service, I said, who here thinks prayer top three things, right? Majority of you put up your hand. And the others of you, either you don't pray or you're just too lazy to put up your hand. And God bless you. Jesus sees, not me. It's okay. But but did you know that on a Wednesday morning, every single Wednesday morning at 7 a.m., we've got a corporate prayer meeting in our church. It's on Zoom. Now, Zoom is terrible. Can we all just admit Zoom is terrible? It's hard to do atmosphere. But there is something special about just meeting together and pray. And now I think because I, I gave the church a bit of a rebuke a few months ago, the, the attendance has increased, but now we're still only at probably 12, 12 to 14% of our church shows up on Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. to pray, right? See, emotionally, we all think, yeah, prayer, top three things, but the discipline, a lot less of us show up, a lot less of us show Do you know what a Do you know what a healthy church looks like to me? Not a big Sunday attendance, but a big prayer meeting attendance. Our Sundays will grow, that's fine. But do you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for growth in our Wednesday morning prayer online. I'm looking for growth in our presence nights. Our next one is going to be on Good Friday here in this building. We're going to have a presence night on Good Friday in the afternoon. It's going to be wonderful. But those are the places where I see and go, man, that's when the church is getting the discipline of prayer. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4, in the ESV, it says this, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. While well, the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Let me read another version in case you don't understand that. Uh, NLT version says this, lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. A lot of people want God to do the miracles, but they don't want to actually put in the time to pray for the miracle. I want to encourage you, a disciplined prayer life. It isn't easy for everyone, but if we truly make the effort, we will prosper in it. I want a great prayer life. Does anybody else want a great prayer life? I Sorry, does anybody else want a great prayer life? I do. I want a great prayer life. So I need to create discipline in my life to make sure every single day, it doesn't matter, come hell or high water, I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend time with my Father. Because it's not somebody else's responsibility. It's my responsibility to pray. So what's the ultimate goal of prayer? My last point I'm going to finish up is this. Prayer Grows your intimacy with God. Prayer grows my intimacy with God. This is the ultimate purpose of prayer is to draw us closer to God. Paul in Philippians writes that beautiful scripture. Hey, don't be anxious about anything, but just pray. In that, don't you get annoyed sometimes at the Bible? I know you're not supposed to say this, but don't you get annoyed sometimes about how flippantly easy the Bible sounds sometimes? Like Paul, he's just like, pshh. <laughs> be anxious. Just pray. You'll be fine. And you're like, are you serious, Paul? Do you not know what's going on in my life? And we do all these things. But but listen, maybe you don't understand who Paul is in his life. Because when you get the context of who is saying that, it, it makes it a, a little bit easier to kind of digest what he's saying. Because the man who just flippantly says, hey, don't be anxious. Instead, go to God. Cast your cares on him. Don't Don't be anxious. But in everything, just pray. And When you pray, you're going to get a piece of God that will guard your heart and your mind. Do you know why it makes it easier to to swallow that pill from the Bible from Paul? Because the guy who wrote it is the guy who would get beaten for sharing about Jesus. It's the guy who got thrown in jail multiple times. It's the guy who Christians were bad-mouthing and other Christian disciples were bad-mouthing. This guy had been through hell or high water, the whole thing. So when Paul, who hasn't just sat in a nice, comfortable church with nice aircon and his life's been perfect his whole life, when Paul says, hey, listen, you, you know, don't be anxious. Just pray. It gives me a context that goes, oh, you know what? If Paul can do it, maybe I can do it. And when Paul says that, you know what that sounds like? It sounds like a man who has an intimate relationship with God, not just with church. Sounds like a man who's actually prayed in the tough times and has felt the peace of God come and protect him. James chapter four, verse eight, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God. I, I love my wife. I miss her. She's away right now. I miss my wife dearly. But do you know how I've gotten to know my wife? Not because I've read things about her. Not because I read her biography not because I even went to her parents or her siblings and asked them questions. You know how I got to know my wife? Because I spent time with her. I know my wife in a way that none of you know my wife. I know her intimately. I know my wife in a way that not even her parents know her anymore because of the intimate time that I've spent with my wife. We have conversations with each other that the world will never ever hear or never ever know why because of the privacy of our intimacy that we have with one another. I didn't get to know her by reading someone else's thoughts about her. I got to know her by spending time with her. I don't wanna oversimplify prayer, but prayer is pretty simple. Do you know what it is? It's spending time with your heavenly father and talking with him. And don't just be, don't just be the talker that doesn't sit and listen. Have you had a conversation with someone that never asks you a question? That they just talk, they just talk and they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk, and you're like, "Yep, I'm, I did it." And sometimes that's how we treat our intimate relationship with God, where we just go, "Hi, God. Okay, I need this. I need that. I need this. I need this, and this happened. Can you believe this happened, God?" And God's like, "Yes, I, 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 I Amen." And you walk away. That's not an intimate conversation. That's you just, you know, writing a social media update for God and turning off the comments. It's not a conversation with them. Simply talking. You know, we pray through our worship. When you worship to God, when we're singing it, when you wipe away my tears, you are worthy, I'll never stop praying. We're praying to God in that moment. You know, prayer a lot of time is coupled with reading the Bible. And we love reading the Bible in our church, and we'll talk about that at another point. But prayer is so often, if you grew up in kids' church, you might have got taught a song when you were younger Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray, read your Bible, pray, right? Some of y'all are showing your age right now. Do you know why prayer and reading the Bible is coupled together? because when you read the Bible, it's the Lord speaking to you. So we're praying and hearing and receiving from the Lord. Maybe he could speak directly into your spirit, give you a sense of peace or a sense of storm about whatever. I'm not sure what it is, but it's what I know. That prayer at its core is spending time with my father and talking with my father. It's having an intimate relationship. It's honoring him and placing weight and value upon his name and who he is it's it's also aligning my life my will with him god am i out of alignment is there something am i doing something that you don't want being done in heaven can you come and align me all right god now that i'm intimate now that i've honored that now that i'm aligned lord i got some needs in my life god i I need you to provide for me god i want to pray for this person god i forgive this person that really hurt me lord is there anyone i and we begin to pray god I'm struggling with temptation. Could you come? Help me avoid. God, I want to pray for our church. I want to pray for our city, God. I want to pray for our nation. And prayer will flow out of that. But what is it ultimately? It's sitting with your heavenly father and praying. These next few weeks, we're going to talk about different things. Kate's going to preach an amazing word next week. She just preached it today in Brisbane. So don't, don't watch it because then you'll miss out. Like She'll preach it next week. But she's going to preach on... On how, how do I pray if I really struggle to pray? Right? Does anybody else struggle to pray? Come on, I struggle sometimes. Just you're going to speak into that. I'm going to be talking later on in the series about uh, the power of corporate prayer because we're a corporate body here. We're we're a community. With the power of praying together. I'm going to be preaching later on. Halfway through the series, uh, uh, one of my best friends in the world is coming to preach for us. But after that, I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be preaching. I'm praying in tongues sha-la-la-la-la-la-la. That's going to be a wild Sunday. That's the one Sunday where I'm like, maybe don't bring a friend to church. <laughs> Unless you really want to bring your friend to church. But we go, I'm going to teach on tongues. I'm going to teach why there's a corporate gift of tongues, but there's also a personal gift of tongues that everybody has access to and how it will help develop and grow your prayer life with God. But this is, this is my desire over this series is this. I don't want this series to be a flavor of the month series in our church. Where at the end of the year, we look back and go, oh, do you remember over March and April where we talked a lot about prayer and the, the attendance of the prayer meeting really went up for like four weeks? And then after four weeks, it kind of just went down and down and down again. No, no, no. Can I tell you, this is not a flavor of the month. This is a foundational teaching of a value that we hold to in our church. I don't want a large church. I want a strong church. And we'll have a strong church when people are praying in our church. Don't leave it up to somebody else. Everyone say, prayer is my responsibility. In order to really have an incredible prayer life with God, though, You actually have to have a relationship with him you know in order to call him my father abba father daddy god however you pray in order to do that you actually have to have a relationship like my children call me dad why because they have a relationship with me strangers can't just come up to me and call me dad because i don't have a relationship with them but my children have a relationship with me. And maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've attended church. Maybe you've, you know, seen this whole Christian religious thing, Uh, but you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity today to respond to Jesus. He died on the cross for you. It's a famous story, but he died on the cross because each one of us have sin that has separated us from God. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, took that sin upon himself and he made a way for you and I to actually have a personal intimate relationship with God our father all we must do is come before him humbly come before him ask him to forgive us of our sins admit we've done wrong and ask him to come into our life and change our life it's a it's an easy step to take that could change your whole life doesn't mean the end of your life it actually means the beginning of your life that's why we call it being born again because it means that you would be born again as a new person now with a relationship with Jesus maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here in this room and you've never ever made this decision before or maybe you you did this a long time ago but you walked away from God I want to give you a chance to respond could you all just close your eyes bow your heads just for a moment you're saying James that's me I'm that first person I've never done this before or you saying James I'm that second person I did this a long time ago, but I walked away from God. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to raise your hand nice and high because I want to pray for you right where you sit or right wherever you're watching or listening from. So if that's you, on the count of three, you lift your hands. One, two, three, right now, all over this room. Awesome. Hands here in the front. Hands here on the side. Hands here in the middle. Bunch of hands up in the back corner. Thank you over here. Thank you, Jesus. Amazing! if you're watching online or listening you can put your hand up God God will see it if you lifted your hand I want you to put your hand on your heart right now if you lifted your hand and we're going to pray together as a family and those people that lifted your hands I really want you to repeat these words we're all going to say it together but I want you to repeat these words really mean it with all your heart so come on say it with me say dear Lord Jesus come to you right now and I ask you to forgive me of all the sin I've done that separated me from you Separated I believe that you died on the cross, but you defeated the grave, and you rose victoriously. So right now I ask, please come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.